Welcome to Tulsa Titans, highlighting local professionals making a difference. Today, I've got Tim Johnson. Tim, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Callum, thanks for having me. I'm glad you're here. So you're the general manager at the Golf Club of Oklahoma. Can you start us off just by telling us a little bit more about yourself? Sure. Grew up. I grew up in Oklahoma. Born, I was born in Columbus, Ohio. Grew up in Oklahoma. Dad was with Phillips Petroleum Company up in Bartlesville. So working here in Tulsa is a, a good situation for me because most of my family is local and still around. My nuclear family is still around this part of the country. So played uh, played some golf and basketball when I was young, stuck with golf, gosh, till I was about 30 or so, 31, tried to play a little bit of professional golf, unfortunately, unsuccessfully, but uh, worked as a, worked as a kid at a golf course starting at the age of 13. And uh, once I graduated from college and quit playing golf, I just decided that was a convenient uh, business to get into because I was familiar with it. So started off in the golf business, working as golf pros, as a golf pro here and there at a couple of resorts in Texas and Arizona, and, and then a couple of country clubs in Kansas, Oklahoma, and Arkansas. So, and then ended up here at the golf club of Oklahoma as a general manager. When off mic, you and I were talking about your professional career, you figured out at, at one point that what you wanted to do in your life was pour into other people. When did you figure that out? And what does that really look like for you? Well, really want to know the truth that, that, uh, that actually came as an aha moment from my wife. I, I was a pretty, I thought I was a pretty strict boss and I thought being pretty strict and being, uh, almost, and, and I don't, I don't want to use this word lightly and I don't want to think, make, make people think I was a jerk, but I, almost kind of felt like if people feared you a little bit, they might be a little more motivated. And uh, unfortunately, that wasn't the case. My wife walked up to me probably late 90s, maybe 98, 99, in um, 2000, somewhere maybe, tossed a book in my lap at the house and said, uh, you might want to read this. And it was John Maxwell's 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. So uh, I read it the first time uh, over the next day or so, and then I studied it over the next two or three weeks and kind of found out where I was really lacking in the management versus leadership role. So, uh, so I, owe my, I owe all of this to my wife, actually. She was, she was the one that said, you're going to be working by yourself if you're not careful. So... That's essentially where where I started finding out the most important thing I could probably do as a as a uh, as a leader or a manager was to de develop the people that I was around. That's that's essentially where all of that kind of got started. Well, now years later, when you you think about developing others, uh, what's one habit that helps you do that? And then, what does really developing somebody look like for you? Well, as a I think I think the most important thing to 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 being a true leader is having a is showing a a, a level of respect that you uh, expect to be shown to each individual person that you deal with and 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 not just when it's convenient but in every interaction. I think that I think that's the first thing you have to do. You know, I I I want people I want people to work with me and 
alongside of me and I want them to follow me because they want to, not because they have to. But I, I think all of that originally just starts with a, a level of respect. I'm showing them a level of respect. All right. And now I'm sorry, I've, I've sauntered on so far. I forgot the second question there. Well, you, you answered it really was what does it look like to, to really uh, lead somebody? And you said to respect them and show and model respect. Sure. And then what's, what's a habit that you have daily that helps you be a, an effective leader? A habit that I have? Gosh, I, uh, I, I, like, I like for people to, I try to be an, a hands-off leader, I guess, more than anything. I want people to have the opportunity to, to or give them the authority uh, to make decisions on their own and not feel like they have to ask my permission to do anything at all. I want them to operate and work their life and their business um, like it's their own and know that I'll support them in any decision that they make, whether good or bad, I'm always going to support it. If it's a bad decision, we'll talk about it down the road. If it's a good decision, they'll be praised in front of everybody. So, but I, I, I think more importantly than anything, and I, I, I hate to, I'm almost kind of quoting Maxwell a little bit. My job is really not to manage the club. My job is to help the people that work at the club reach their goals and help them do better. You know, if it's washing dishes today and helping that somebody out in the kitchen because that's what's needed to be done at the moment, then that's what I do. If it's picking up the driving range because one of the cart kids is tied up helping a member with something, then that's what I do. If, and and I, I, I try to lead by that example uh, day in and day out. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's just essentially probably, I guess, if there's one thing that I do, I try to lead by example in everything that I do. Well, and you and I talked off mic, but hard work and then serving is kind of part yeah. of your culture. You've got such a wealth of experience. We talked about the 100-page book, yes. you know, one sheet. Can you talk about those culture pieces? Oh, those it, was, it was amazing. I, I went to work for a, a, a well-known resort company uh, and a, hotel, a hotelier. And they, uh, when, I, when I went to work for them, they had this 120-page or 115-page manual about, him, about being a good employee. And they tried to cover everything that you could possibly cover in this book. Uh, any decision that had to be made, this, that, and the other. And um, they preached family and they preached culture and they preached this and they preached that and everything. And it was a difficult, it was a difficult place to work because it was all paper. Uh, the culture, the, the people, the managers, the company, truthfully, they wrote it on paper, but they really didn't live by it or work by it. Uh, your family life was obsolete because you were a 60 to 80 hour a week employee. Didn't really matter. But they said in the entire book that it was important. What was really funny is out of all of that, nothing really resonated. But then I went to work for a private club here in Oklahoma that um, they had this, you know, had this really good reputation. The, the, the person I worked for was a, a Hall of Famer and, and, and a and a great man uh, who passed away last year. And um, his, his the, the, the training manual was one page. And all it said was, we treat people as ladies and gentlemen, not because they are, it's because we are. 
And the culture at that club between employees and the culture between the, the servant attitude as, a, as an employee to a member and vice versa, the member and the guest back to the employee never been treated with the, uh, the respect like that, uh, both from, from both sides of the, of the position. So it's hard to believe that 100 pages couldn't get it done, but one sentence could. That's a beautiful thing because they live what they wrote down. Yes, that's exactly right. And, and the, the best part about that was, is I think that that, that, that paperwork, and I'm, at that time I was really into the golf business, not into the membership business, but I think that membership in, in, their, in their bylaws and so forth and the membership agreement, I think that same sentence was, in, was wrapped up in that paperwork as well. Well, I don't often do this, but I want to switch gears um, okay. because we're talking about others. Uh, and you've raised a couple kids, and we talked about that, and you've worked for some big clubs and, and been successful, uh, and you've learned a lot through the work-kid balance, uh, just how precious that time is. Can you speak to what we were talking about when it comes oh, to it's children? Just, you know, I, I, I told you, I got caught up in trying to build a career and trying to make a living so I could give my kids everything. But the most important thing is I realized and, and I've realized, especially lately as I've aged, is that uh, I really, <laughs> I, I do, I come to work and I work hard every day and I want to do a great job. But at the end of the day, that really doesn't mean anything, I hate to say, because I'm replaceable here. The one thing that I really want to be is a great parent. And I want my kids to think that, you know, I want them to, I want them to reflect back on my time on earth positively hands down the most important thing that I've done is being a parent and and through parenting and the ups and downs are there moments where you really know you hit home runs and then where there's some some shortcomings and some red flags you might be able to give oh you? yeah I, <laughs> I made a lot of mistakes there's no question I, I and um, and and what's really funny when they talk about the, the small things being the big things that, that's true and talking with my kids, sometimes it's it's funny what what they remember uh, and what they you know things that I thought were big and grand and great really weren't as important to them as some of the other things. Just the small stuff. Just appreciate every moment you have is important. And I love what you said when we were off mic about your their your kids. They're grown, and if you could go back, and I think it's powerful. So if you're at the beginning now, but you obviously can't go back and gave an exuberant amount of, of energy, time, and focus to the professional to provide. And you wish that you would have given the same amount of focus, time, and attention to your kids at all yeah, times. I mean, out of everything that I've done, all the work that I've done, all of the clubs and resorts and places that I've worked and so forth, I damn sure don't wish I could go back and do that all over again. But if I could do anything, the one thing that I wish I could do is go back and be a parent again. I'm just choking me up talking about it. That's how important it is. I agree with you. And we talked, I've got a three and a seven-year-old. And because of me, <clears> like you speak into my life, and that's that's why we're doing this podcast, is, is if you're hearing this, the importance of being present. I mean, there's so many of us that work hard, but we don't mentally disengage. Right. Yeah. Because of men like you, I pull up to my house. And if work was going and that project didn't get done, and we all know that feeling uh, because we like to accomplish things. I turn on a worship song and I circle the block. That's my ritual, but I need a reset. I've got to disconnect. And then I call it second shift. 
you take a breath and then you go in as dad. Right. And, um, you know, we do a, a family dinner. Uh, we're, we're, our kids are just old enough. We're going to do a little discipleship. Sure. But my seven-year-old is starting to ask questions. So my favorite part of the night is, um, I don't know what it is about kids, but they almost get so tired that they just share everything without <laughs> thinking. Uh, yeah. And so I get some of the best authenticity uh, or him telling on himself or questions in the last 30 minutes before he oh, goes definitely. to bed. Definitely. Uh, my, my brother used to almost kind of sleep talk right as he was getting ready to go to bed. If my mom or my dad wanted to know exactly what had happened with him, he would be do kind of dozing off on the couch and they'd start asking him questions and he'd just start telling them stuff as he was falling asleep. And they'd be completely opposite of what he'd told them just an hour earlier about what he'd done. So uh, it was quite a treat, but I, I see that. I mean, I, 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 unfortunately I missed a lot of those dinners with my family. Like I said, those are the times I'd like to go back and, and get back. But yeah, those are those are like I said, some of the smaller times that my my kids remember. That <clears throat> wasn't the trips to Disney World, or it wasn't the trip to the beach, or this or that or the other. It was those. It was those small things that we did as a family, kind of off the beaten path that really nobody knew anything about. Pretty 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 cool. But the, I, I get the I get that. I mean the 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 kids. I could see my son and my daughter as they were dozing off and as they were getting tired, they, they, the, the honesty started to spark quite a bit. I could, I can, and now that you mentioned that, I have, I think my wife could probably be a testament to a lot more good stories than I could be. Those are, those are, those are the great times. I, I, I'll tell you one other thing. And you were talking about disengaging, sitting in the driveway and, and getting off the phone. I'll tell you, I hate cell phones. I hate mobile phones. I'm not a, I'll be honest, I'm not a huge social media guy. And, and, and I think between you and I, part of that reason is I think social media, my whole thing is, I guess I don't understand when everybody else's life became more important than your own. You know, I, uh, it's not that, you know, it's not that I don't like to look on LinkedIn and see Kellen's done this or done that or whatever, but I, I, I don't get on all day, every day and see what everybody else is doing because I feel like what I'm doing is important and I need to focus on Tim and I need to focus on Amber, Amanda and Brad, you know, my family. And, you know, if my buddy Jim's at the beach, I, you know, good for Jim, but I personally, I don't really care. I mean, to say it. I mean, I'm more worried, more worried about how my family's doing than, than that. And, and I know social media has got some, you know, great components to it, and it can be very helpful in a lot of ways and so forth. But I hate the immediacy factor and people feeling like they can call you at any hour of the day. I think it makes it difficult for for a father like you to disengage from work when you know you can get an email, you can get a text, you can get a phone call, you can get a push or a whatever from a company or a Facebook post or a direct message from somebody. Uh, I just don't think anybody ever gets to really step away. And the, I, I'd, I'd, I'd like to tell you probably the best I was ever a parent was when I lived farther away from work than when I lived closer because when I left work at night, it took me, I worked about 45 minutes away, about 50 miles. And that 50, 45, 50 minute drive gave me time to decompress and, and, and 
prioritized my time with my family when I got home. It also gave me a chance to end my day uh, in business. And when I got home, I was a much better and much more engaged parent after, you know, than being eight or 10 minutes away where I could leave work with a little stress and get home. And I still had that stress for 30, 45 minutes to an hour until I had a chance to wind down. So I know some people say, I hate driving that far to work. Well, I almost, I, it was, it was my me time, I guess, you know, gave me a chance to, to, to be a better person. So. Yeah, I find the same. I uh, instituted a practice. I think Craig Rochelle, uh, you know, we're talking about Simon Siddick. Um, we're yeah. talking about Maxwell. He does a leadership. Okay. Podcast, and he does some leadership teachings too. He has an end of day ritual. What's his name again? Craig Rochelle. Craig Rochelle. Okay. It's the Craig Rochelle Leadership Podcast, but it was uh, his routine on the end of the day. And it was exactly what you talked about in the car. You just had a routine. You knew that you needed to mentally process through everything of the day, everything the next day, and everything is getting ready to impact you at home. And he built it into the end of his workday. It was a non-negotiable meeting. Really? It him to disconnect. And then I have triggers. And so, you know, when I'm driving up and things, sometimes I just know myself. Like I'm still going and I just need to chill and then be present in a different way at home. I, and you'll get this. I'm sometimes need to be a different person with employees at the office than I am with my wife at home. She exactly. doesn't look at me the same way they do if I say the wrong thing. Exactly. <laughs> That's and so, exactly right. And so, That's and exactly I, right. And I've been blessed. He, he does some really, really good stuff. It's about 20 minutes. He has okay. some energy teachings, too, about you know, spiritual energy, physical energy, mental, they're all different things. And how are you, like you said, if you're not taking care of yourself, you're given, you're given an empty shell to everybody else anyway. Right. Right. And social media has done that. And then recognizing, so recognizing what social media can do to you, recognizing what work can do. I'm in a different position um, because we run our company and I can kind of decide, but, but for any of our guys, we're done. There's somebody on call, but you're done other than that. So when I get in and my phone's charging in my bedroom and it's on vibrate, I can't help anybody. And, and uh, just like with people, you know, when, when people help too quickly, you as a, a leader talk about boundaries, you can create boundaries with your phone. And that, and that, and that's true. And that, and that, that what I was talking about with that piece of advice, unfortunately our, our security company, anything that runs through this building runs through my phone. You know, our refrigeration systems, our AC units, uh, our alarm systems, all of that stuff. I mean, I can pull up cameras on my phone for the property at, uh, you know, anywhere I've got Wi-Fi service. So it works out really well. And it's good for me from a standpoint of, I don't have to run out there if I get this or I get that, but it's also bad because I constantly feel like it's, looming and it's hard it is it's hard to it's hard sometimes and at, at my age having been the way i've been through business hard for me to disengage you know i'm you know you just at, at my age unfortunately you, it's two two or three weeks of vacation is great I, I haven't had one of those probably since 2011 but it takes me almost five days to decompress to start enjoying myself. And I would, and I try to, and I back to the leadership program, I try to make sure that's one of the reasons I, I try to make sure that the people that I work with 
don't experience the same things that I have experienced. I don't want them. I don't want them dragging the golf club of Oklahoma home with them every day. That's my job. I mean, that's what I signed up to do. I want them. I want them to be able to check when they drive out the front gate and the arms go down behind you. I want you to be able to check out. I don't. I don't. I don't want it on your mind twenty four seven. Got to. I, I did that. It's not healthy. It's you know, like I said, it's right back to what you were talking about. It's and 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 I and I'm, I, I know I didn't speak finally about the social media component, but. I truthfully believe I think the world would be a better place if people would worry more about themselves and take better care of themselves and do the right and do what's right for them and quit comparing what they're doing at that minute to what their friends doing somewhere else. It's nothing you can do about it. I mean, take care of yourself and, and control your own destiny and, and control your own fun and control your own enjoyment and um, quit worrying about what everybody else is doing. I completely agree. When we were talking about, so Simon Sinek, uh, John Maxwell, so one of mine's Craig Rochelle, just great leaders that are still oh. in being positive. In your career, um, you've already mentioned one, and, and feel free to name him. Have there been uh, professionals or friends that have really poured into your life that you admire? Oh, definitely. Uh, the the gentleman I spoke about was Jerry Cosby, who's a he was a golf professional in Bartlesville Hillcrest Country Club. He was he was a mentor and and he had a strict regimen and discipline of work and you know you went in there and you you worked hard and he taught you everything from the minute you drove through the front gate of the club when you came to work that day he didn't leave anything to chance he taught you absolutely everything he could teach you about the golf business and he, and and what's really funny is he he expected a lot I mean, and he wanted you to perform at your absolute peak and your absolute best. And he was not only expecting that, he he brought it out of you, but he brought it out of you in a way that you didn't even realize it was happening until about a year and a half or two years after you'd been there, you, you find out, man, I've, <laughs> I've, I've blossomed into an entirely different person. And... The, the thing about the thing that I think that was so cool about him is that not only did he uh, shape my professional life, but the way he conducted himself with his wife and his and his three boys and so forth, the the respect and admiration he showed those boys and the the attention that he gave them and and he worked hard too. I mean he he put in a lot of hours, but when he he was probably much better at it than I am. He he was able to check out. He, when he got when he got done at work, he was able to check out and be a dad, and uh, and he did a good job trying to teach me that as well. He was, uh, you know, I worked for him back in the early '90s, and I up and up until he passed away last year, I still spoke with him probably once a month, maybe once every six weeks about business or life or kids or you know, something I saw on TV or, a, you know, political view or a this or that or the other, because he just, you know, he meant, he meant that much to me, almost like a second father type of position. And I was fortunate there too, with my parents, my parents, my parents were disciplinarians and, and, but I, I just texted my dad today that I, I never one time ever didn't feel like I was supported or loved in my family, by my family. I think there are a lot of people in today's world that can, can't say that, you know, I, 
I don't know that, uh, unfortunately, I think there are a lot of people that don't get the unconditional love that a guy like you or a guy like I give our family, because that's, like I said, what it boils down to is that's the most important job we have is being a parent and being, being that role model for them to look up to. So, but there, I, I, there were so many people that helped me along my, my career. Um, you know, he was a hall of fame golf professional. I worked for a PGA president of the United States. Gosh, I've, I've, I've worked for a couple of independent families that uh, have owned some golf courses, the Brock family, uh, Mr. The Hudson family over in Arkansas, and now the Beal family here at the golf club and all have been instrumental in helping me and, you know, and kind of, kind of as a little bit of a source of knowledge and direction, everybody. I mean, I try, I make I make a joke with the people around here. I learned something today. I, I really do try to learn something every day. I learned a little bit just right before we came on. I was talking to the gentleman that provides produce to our club, and uh, you know he gave me a little tit for tat on on the status of the produce in our in our walk-in and letting me know how I can check my green bean counts and what's good and what's bad and this and that and the other. So I learned something today as well. You know it's. Uh, it's it, it, it's a great life if you if you'll live it and you and you'll learn from it. So I agree. My business partner, uh, same thing. He taught me that. Learn something every day. It's it's good, isn't it? I mean it, it it's 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 really good. Yeah, and it, it adds up over time. Well, and you you learn that way. And then what I love. So the you mentioned John Maxwell's twenty one laws uh, of a leader uh, or yes. irrefutable laws of leadership. Sure. Uh, and I I know just because I'm a reader. And late in life, a reader, right? I, if went years not liking it, then you go, hey, I don't have to fail so much if I'll just read what these other people learned. You know, there's there's a lot of resources to make things easier on us. What are a couple other books that have really helped you out? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I read uh, <laughs> one of the one, probably one of the I hate to say this, but I mean, uh, just Simon's book about start with why. In, in the why of what we do. And I think some of some of my business as a general manager is that I think some of my focus was structured differently uh, before I read that because my ultimate goal and our, our goal here at the club, we've got kind of some core values wrapped around our, our membership, our goal, which is membership satisfaction, which is the why of our business. Because if, if, if you're a member of our club and you come out here and you're happy every time you're here, you're probably not going to go anywhere. And, you know, it costs a lot of money to go out and recruit people. Um, that's a, that was a really good book. Um, I, <laughs> I read a book, gosh, and, and, and I'll tell you, this is just almost a kind of a silly story. I read a, got stuck in the Portland airport. My daughter did an internship with uh, Nike up in Beaverton and uh, went up there to visit her and coming home and I had Portland, my flight got canceled. So I walked in a bookstore and, like you, I came to book reading these books later in life, and and uh, there was a book there. Taught, it was an entrepreneurial strengths finder type, almost kind of like a Gallup research type of book. And I I picked it up, and it's 190 pages or whatever. And I read through it, and it had some good. It had a couple good stories, had a couple good things in it. But the one thing that I picked up out of the whole book was in the last chapter, and. Um, it kind of shaped a little bit of what I do. And when you were talking about leading people and trying to help them progress is that I read that whole 990 pages and the, the, the greatest part of the whole book was in the last four or five pages. And, and it was about an entrepreneur who 
took steps to build his business. And he couldn't understand why he kept failing in his other ones. And then he finally adopted his own, he called it the KFC approach. And, you know, and every time I tell somebody that the first thing that pops out in their mind is Kentucky fried chicken, you know? So, but that's not the case. The case is actually know what you want, find out what you're getting and change it till you get it right. Out of that whole book of these strength finding questions and ideas and all of these entrepreneurial type thoughts and designs to try to make you a better leader and business leader and so forth, that last four or five pages talked about that KFC approach. And I've actually adopted that into our employment manual. And, um, and that's, that's back to another thing that I've got too. When you start to work here, there's a, we have our employer manual that we use ADP as a payroll provider. So I have to have that information in our employee manual, but behind our employee manual, I have the golf club of Oklahoma brand management. And that is just a little simple uh, PowerPoint presentation. It's about 20 different slides. And it talks about essentially doesn't say anything about doing your job. Says everything about being a good person and reverts back to that, you know, treating people well and doing the right thing. And one of the slides talks about what would your mom do? You know, if, if this, you know, what would, would she be pleased with the job that you're doing? And so you sign off on your ADP manual for employment here, and then you sign off on your, on your, um, on your PowerPoint, on your Tim Johnson PowerPoint presentation to always try to uphold and be a good person working here and treat the people that you deal with with respect, admiration, and dignity. But yeah, I mean, I, books, I'm sorry, I got off on tangent there, but the books, the, you know, there's there's so many good ones. I've, 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 I find myself reading a lot of uh, Daniel Goldman's books as well and uh, listening to some of his podcasts on LinkedIn, like we talked about. I'm, I'm, I'm really big on, on the emotional component and your capabilities emotionally to do your job versus, you know, intellectually, because that skill can, I think skills can definitely be taught. It's just the possessing the proper emotional quotient to do the job and to deal with people. Uh, I know a lot of people that are so talented and can, can do so many great things, but they can't relate to anybody. And uh, that's, that's, you hate to see somebody struggle like that. And you just, and, and when you talk to him, you don't, you don't really know where, how they came about that personality trait. But back in the day, they were always talking about accountants not being, you know, they could, they were great with the numbers, but they weren't great with the people. And that, you know, that was a country club joke, of course, because uh, the accountants were down in a box down in the basement of the building. And when you went down there, they were, you know, always seemed to be a little more gruff because they were always dealing with the money, you know? So it was, uh, they didn't have the emotional component to, to that they thought everybody else had when truthfully they did, they just were watching out for someone else's money. Yeah, and I work in the tech industry. So okay. we get to, you know, I get the opportunity to develop those skills in people. There you go. And communication skills don't come naturally. So it's it's a big blessing to do that. Uh, is it not great to see a kid or a, or a young person blossom into a, a communicator. I had a, had a young kid that was a cart boy for me at one time that he worked for us for, I mean, his, he walked in to, to apply for the job and his mom walked in with him and said, my son would like to apply for a job. She filled out the application for him and the whole thing. I said, well, when can he work? And she did the whole interview. He never said a word. About a year and a half later, his dad drove all the way out to the club 
walked into the golf shop where we were working. There's three or four of us in there. And he goes, I don't know what you guys have done to my son. And we're like, Oh no, you know, goodness sakes, what have we done? And he goes, he's speaking at the dinner table. And all it was, was we just included him in everything. We joke, we'd make jokes with him and laugh with him. And he, he went from never looking at us to kind of giving us some eye contact to kind of giving a smirk to kind of a smile. And then about six months later, there was a laugh in there. And then there was a jab back. And then there was a joke telling period. And then all of a sudden he turned into one of the best employees we ever had. But it, it took almost a year and a half for that kid to come out of the shell. And, uh, and according to his dad now, he's, he's, you know, You'd never know he was the same kid he was at 16 that he is. He's now at uh, you know 35 or 36. So it's uh, it's 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 really nice. And I mean, like I said, it, and we didn't do anything different other than just treat him as one of us. You know that we didn't. You know, it wasn't like we said, "Hey, we want James to do this. We're going to break James. We're going to you know we're going to bend him over. We're going to make sure that we're going to show you the way that you need to be, and this and that and the other. We're going to bend you over the railing and say, "Hey, listen, buddy, you need to you need to do this. You need to do that." We just included him in everything that we did, and we just through that interaction, he just eventually started, I guess, trusting in us and believing in us, and we were just consistent with him on a daily basis and. And lo and behold, he broke out of a uh, out of a little shell, and I thought it was really cool. His dad took the time to even come out and talk to us. But but uh, those are those are the, those are the types of cool stories I look back on on my career that that mean a lot more to me than you know than the numbers do. And like I said, I told you that earlier. The numbers are always going to be there. It's the it's the stuff outside. It's the peripheral stuff that nobody sees. That's that's really the cool stuff that comes through business. So. Amen. So, Tim, if somebody wants to get a hold of you, do you have a pure, uh, preferred method of communication? You want to know the truth? I'm, uh, I like, I mean, I, you, can, you couldn't tell because I couldn't operate my camera here, but uh, I really like to talk to somebody one-on-one -on -one more than anything. Uh, because to me, I love, I love the, I love the, I'm sure you can tell I'm a chatter, I'm a talker. I love to see people's reaction. I love to see their body language along with when they're talking and what they're saying. Uh, tells you a lot about where they really are. I'm I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of texting, <laughs> you know. And and my my wife will tell you that you know I I'll send a I'll send a text to her and she'll go and then I'll get back. Are you mad? I'm like, what do you mean? Am I mad? No, I'm not mad. I you know I'd much rather talk to somebody than email them or text them. I just think that that's I can tell from the flexion in their voice. I can tell from how their body language, you know, how they sit in the chair, how they look at me, how they, when they smile, when they don't, when they look away, when they're looking down, what, you know, you can kind of tell what they really feel and what they really mean then. That's my preferred form, but that's, uh, that's just me. I'm going to wind us down. Everybody, thank you very much. Uh, and Tim, thank you today for giving. Well, I thank you for including me. I'm, I'm, I'm honored to be on. I mean, that's uh, very, very kind of you to ask me to join you. And hope I didn't, uh, hope I didn't embarrass you. I hope everything went all right. So no, had a blast. Well, if you're ever out this way, or if you need to need to want to come out and take a look around, please do. Love to have you come out and take a look, take a look around. I'll show you what we do and kind of where we're, where the golf club of Oklahoma is headed. So I'll take you up on that. Everybody, thank you very much. Uh, and Tim, thank you today for giving.